Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We're just honoured to have you guys part of life, to have you part of who we are. And just with what we're going to do today is just have time to hear from you a little bit, hear a bit about your journey, and then to hear a word from Pastor David, which would be awesome. So it's just so good to have you guys with us. Wonderful. It's great to be with you. It is indeed. We're so excited to be here. Yeah. So we'd love for you just to actually introduce yourselves because previously you have been pastoring a Bridge, which is now Numa Church, and pastoring for so many years before that. So just a little bit about who you guys are would be awesome. Well, we, uh, we met many, many years ago and uh, we started attending the, the local church in Richmond, which was then Richmond Temple, uh, so one of the earliest Pentecostal churches in Australia. Wow. Um, got married, part of the congregation there for 13 years and then uh, Pastor Phil Hills was a senior um, pastor and he invited us onto the team. We served on the team for 13 years mm-hmm. and then uh, led a church in regional Victoria for four years and came back and led uh, then Bridge Church uh, for 14 years. And, um, yeah, a lot of adventures uh, in all of that time. Wow. Yeah, we had five children along the way. So that that just adds to the adventure and the excitement. And uh, really it was such an honour to be able to bring them along for the whole journey. Wow. And they're amazing kids as well. You have an incredible family. We're totally unbiased, but they are awesome. (laughs) They're wonderful. And now, you know, we're in that season where the grandchildren are coming along and uh, life is good. Uh, But with all of that behind us, it means we've seen a lot of ups and downs. And I mean, we, we describe it's an adventure. Yeah. Um, we used to. I used to preach a message about the, you know, the wonderful will of God, um, <laughs> and I adapt that a little bit now because sometimes the will of God isn't that wonderful at the time. Can can have a lot of challenges, but yeah. you know, he's just been so good, and yeah. uh, we, we just we just love uh, the life that he's given us to lead. It's just awesome. So so cool, and you know, want to honour you today. You know, for the many many years of pastoring and loving people and building God's church and. What I love about God's church is that it is it's generational. You know, we yeah. have the breadth of wisdom that people like you bring that have done so many years. And we are very strongly passionate about building a church that is full of the generations mm-hmm. and full of different cultures, just very diverse. And, and we'd just love to hear from you guys, especially in this series that we're in, Affirming Foundations. I know because of the longevity of your lives and and what you've lived. I know you've been through some pretty challenging seasons where it has felt like things are shaking. And I'd love you just to share maybe one of those moments in particular for you. I I guess one of the main ones that people may be able to relate to straight away would be um, in 2015, um, we 2014. had a um, 2014. Yeah, this is why I don't go anywhere without my wife. Um, 2014, um, we had a, uh, a fire that um, totally destroyed our family home, and um, mm. the background the background to that was we'd only been in the home uh, for just over 12 months, mm. and the home was was beautiful. It was our, it was our dream home, um, and we we know that it was a miracle from God. There was no way we could have been in that home without God's favour, and so we thought we it was like a reward from God, and we were going to grow old in that place. Um, but then on uh, February the 9th, yeah. uh, I was preaching a message uh, for the fourth time that weekend, and the title of the message 
uh, was that if you build God's house, uh, he will build yours. And uh, we were preparing for a love offering for building the, the church and developing the church. And uh, so I'm preaching this message with all of my heart, get off the platform, and I got handed uh, a phone from one of my key staff members uh, telling me that there was a fire out near the house and that my wife had had to be evacuated and she was waiting for me at, a, um, at the evacuation point. And uh, so I went straight out, left the meeting and went straight out to my darling who knows the story better than me, really. Yes, so I was at home. I had um, a bad back and my spinal doctor had said, you must not go to church and sit through five services this weekend. So I was being good. I was at home. I did my journaling. It was a crazy day. Wind swept. I heard, I heard rubbish bins being picked up and hurled around the neighbourhood. It was, it was quite intense. So I was journaling all morning and then I thought, okay, I'll do what I'm told. I'm going to go rest on my bed. But before I do that, I'm just going to look out the windows, open the front door, see what's going on. And blue skies, sunshine, lots of wind. And the neighbour's car went screaming around the corner of our estate. And I remember thinking, that's weird. No one ever speeds in our estate. It's just a really small estate. I wonder why he's speeding. So a neighbour sees me standing there on the veranda, jumps out of his car and is like, run for your life, there's a fire, there's a fire, and takes off again. And so I'm just like, there's no fire, it must be false alarm. So wow. I traipse inside and I lock all the house up and I take the dog and... and um, reverse out of the back of the house which faces a completely different direction and as I reverse something catches my eye and it's this fire and it's like where I was was daylight and where the fire was it was black and it was smoke and and then everything started to go in slow motion except for the fire and I literally doesn't make sense but I got out of the car turned around and stood and looked at this bushfire thing and thinking it's a bushfire but thinking, no, that can't happen to me and it can't happen here and it can't happen today. And I'm just transfixed by this wow. sight with the flames and the wind blowing it towards me. And then all of a sudden I just think, OK, got to go. So get in the car, escape, go to the shopping centre and um, that's where I met David. So long, long story short, uh, we discovered a, um, within a very short time frame mm -hmm. that the house had been completely destroyed. Um, and so we literally became those people um, that all we had left in the world was the clothes that we had on our back. Wow. And uh, so it really, really shook our world. Um, we also had family living with us and they lost everything. And so yeah. it was a very, very sudden um, shaking of, of everything. Mm. Um, that we were confronted with. But the goodness of God that has come out of that and the lessons we mm. learned on the way um, have just been absolutely uh, amazing. Wow, um, so, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Even in the midst of it, the, the goodness of God and the grace of God um, mm. is something that until you put through that level of test, um, and in one way it sounds so silly because it's only a house, um, but it does shake you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. what you realise yeah. is in that shaking, um, God is so unbelievably faithful, wow. despite mm. what you have to go through. Yeah. Um, and there are incredibly intense and real emotions and practical situations that you do have to face. There's no, there's no shortcut. Wow. We can't just call out to God and everything's okay. 
Um, nothing was okay. Everything was horrible. We had yeah. nothing. Um, but God's goodness just started to, uh, to kick in. But the emotional journey and the practical journey is very, very real and was different for, for both of us. I know like Sally had a very different journey than I had. Mm. I remember just a few days after the fire, I thought, I'm going to go and buy some milk. And I ended up at the block and it had all cooled down by then. Everything was totally obliterated. And I just remember going in and sitting the ashes and the sky was blue and the sun was shining and all the other pretty little houses in the estate were looking at me. And I'm here and I'm picking up handfuls of ash thinking, this is, this is my life. This is, this is everything we've worked for all our lives and it's just like trickling through my fingers. I, I don't know what to do. And I, I just remember thinking if I sit here for long enough, it's going to become real because it was so surreal. Mm. And I sat there and I sat there and, oh, my goodness, there was an outpouring of sorrow and grief and emotion. But at some stage I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me and he said these words. He said, Sally, do you trust me? Mm. And I'm picking up this ash going, God, I I can't see how you can possibly make all things work together for good because this is my life now and I, I, I don't have the faith to be able to see that. And he said, I didn't ask you if you could see it outworking. I asked you, do you trust me? And in that moment of time, I just knew it was one of those moments and I remember saying, God, I trust you because it's in those moments when everything else is stripped away, that our foundations are laid bare. You can't create create foundations in that moment, but what you know in that moment is God has always been trustworthy. God has always been faithful to me, so of course I'm going to say yes. And I believe as soon as I said, yes, I trust you, it kind of flicked this switch inside of me and faith began to rise. Um, so it, it was a really, a really amazing moment where everything just froze in time for me and all I had to do, that's all he asked me mm. to do, answer this question, do you trust me? Wow, mm. so mm. powerful, guys. Mm. And, you know, um, last week we looked at how part of the foundation we need to have is this revelation that God is God and mm. he is good. Yeah. And I know you've previously told us about when the house fire actually took place, you were leading Bridge Church and standing on stage, giving an offering, leading an offering moment, and you personally were giving a massive offering mm. as well that yep. you've never done before. <laughs> and in the next minute, everything is stripped from you. Yeah. And you know, when you have those moments, how mm. do you bring it back to that foundation that God is God and He is good? Mm. I think I th- for me, uh, it's a concept of um, you need to be preloaded. Um, right. Like nobody goes into battle without ammunition. Um, and without ammunition in their, in their gun or whatever. Um, and I think for us, uh, it's like you need to be preloaded with the Word of God. Yeah. Um, so and, good. you know, I thank God for my heritage that we had for so many years under Pastor Phil yeah. uh, because he would preach about the goodness of God. Um, and so I can remember uh, waking up the very next morning, waking up with a scripture bubbling up within my spirit. I didn't put it there. I didn't go to the Bible and try and find out what's a really encouraging scripture. This scripture just came up by the Holy Spirit because it was preloaded. 
Mm. Um, and that's that's what conviction is. Yeah. You don't have to make decisions because it's already been made. No, God is good. Yeah. Life's bad at the moment. <laughs> this is really, really bad at the moment. I haven't got a bed to sleep in. I haven't got a toothbrush. My wife's got nothing. My kids have got... This is bad. <laughs> but God's still good. Yeah. Yeah. God is still yeah. good. Yeah. Um, wow. And I think that's, you know, that's... That's the wonder of who God is. He puts stuff in you that he knows can be drawn out when the pressure's on. Wow. Well, I think in times of trauma, um, we've responded really differently. David alluded to it. <laughs> Just there's, a little bit. There's a funny story, right? So the next day we had to go to the block and we're staying in some friend's house who had gone on holidays for a week. And I said, you take our house and, um, you know, till you sort yourself out a little bit. And we had to go to the block and I had escaped wearing this tent of a summer dress because I hadn't been feeling well. So I was not dressed for the occasion, shall we say. <laughs> and uh, we had to go and meet the insurance people at the block and we went to walk out the door and David said to me, um, darling, are you going to brush your hair? <laughs> to which... I snapped and said, do I look like I escaped with a hairbrush? I don't think so. <laughs> and I it the moment. <laughs> it, was, it was a funny moment, but not at the moment, just in hindsight. But I think I expressed my grief by crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and more crying. And David just kind of kept himself together for a period of time mm. um, because his attitude had always been, we've got to suck this up, we've just got to suck it up, you've just got to be a man and suck it up. And then you found yourself in the socks and jocks department of a supermarket mm. or just something. Just quietly falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the big lesson in that is... When you are going through that trauma and it involves others, um, understanding everybody goes through the trauma and responds very differently emotionally. Yeah. Um, and being sensitive to that mm-hmm. um, and being real with that. Um, I think you know, there was a season, I think, in, in church where it was sort of like that was the philosophy, mm-hmm. trust God mm-hmm. and be a man or a woman of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not real. Uh, Of course we trust God, but we cannot bypass the practical implications and we cannot bypass our emotions. We have to go on the journey and being Mm. sensitive to one another and supporting one another in that and having a a group of people around you that are sensitive to that, which, you know, thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. The power of community, and that's Absolutely. why we need yeah. we need each other. We need the church more than ever before, and mm-hmm. we're the ones that often need to fight for that too. To put up our hand and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm struggling here. Absolutely. I I need help." And yeah. I think your thought before, you know, trusting God and being real with God, they go together. You mm-hmm. know, we we're, we're real with those that we trust the most, mm-hmm. and so part of trusting God is having that vulnerability with God to be really real Absolutely. with Him, which yeah. is so important. But mm-hmm. just thought it would be awesome just to take a moment to pray because already the richness of what you brought is brilliant, mm-hmm. and then Pastor David is just going to bring a great word of encouragement. So, God, I just thank you for Pastor David and Pastor Sally and their incredible story. God, that they are heroes of the faith, Lord, that they have done years of trusting you and seen a result of that trust, that when we trust you, you are God and you are good. That whenever we bring things back to you, when we lay 
our unknown into your hands. God, that you are trustworthy with it and that you have the very best for it, that when we stand in you, we stand in firm foundations. And we just thank you for the word that you're going to continue to bring us in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Nadia, and thank you to Pastor Craig. We are honoured, and it's a great privilege to be able to share with you today in the church, and we are excited about what God is doing in Life Church. Uh, you're an amazing church, amazing community, and uh, we are so thankful to be a part uh, of your family and everything that God is doing, and uh, to be able to just speak into this season. And uh, so my thoughts this morning, very quickly, are just around that whole question, what, what do you do uh, when Everything is being shaken. What do you do uh, when your world starts to fall apart and you just can't seem to make sense of what God is doing in your world? And the incredible thing is that, you know, we're all going to go through it. You may not go through a fire. Uh, you may not go through some of the extreme things, but the reality is all of us will be tested in some way or another through a circumstance that seems out of our control. It, it, it may be a health crisis. It, it might be a business failure. Maybe it's a relational back, uh, breakdown. Maybe it's a, a sudden accident. Maybe it's just something that comes that you never expected and it just shakes everything. We are not immune and we shouldn't be surprised, really, when something like that happens. Because when we look at Scripture, when we look at the Bible, when we look at some of the heroes of Scripture, men and women of God, the champions, so many of them went through difficult times that weren't their fault, that they had no control over. Sometimes it caused unbelievable pain, suffering that seemed in the, in the immediate seemed to make no sense at all. We look at the story and go, oh, that was God. But yeah. for them going through it, it yeah. made no sense at all. So the question is, if they had to go through it, who are we to think that we won't? Mm. <laughs> we should be surprised if we don't yeah. face difficult times. And the, the truth is, though, when we look at those stories and we look at the heroes of God, we realize that they were actually able to go through those times and they were able to come out stronger. Yeah. They were able to come out with a refined faith, yes. with a greater faith, being able to trust God at new levels. Their worlds got shaken, yes. but their convictions remained. Mm -hmm. Their circumstances got incredibly challenging, but their faith remained rock solid on God. And one of the greatest examples, I think, when I think of, you know, the, the, the scriptures and the individuals, the story I love is the story of Job. And uh, many of you would know the story of Job in the Old Testament. The Bible says God actually said of Job, this is God speaking, bragging about it. He said this, that there's no one on earth like Job. He is a blameless man and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. So we're talking about a hero here. But the reality was, if you know the story, a quick summation would be Satan comes and says, listen, the only reason Job is so good and loves you is because you've blessed him. You've built a wall of protection around about him. And so Satan actually asked God's permission to shake his world. Now, really important point there is Satan had to ask God's permission. We'll come back to that. He didn't have the right just to go in there and shake. Yeah. He had to actually ask permission. But God gave him that permission. And 
Job's world was shaken. If you know the story, he lost all of his, all of his children and their families. He lost all of, their, all of his stock, all of his crop. He lost everything and then he lost his own health. He went through so much suffering that his own wife said to him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Put an end to all of this. Just curse God and die. But Job refused to do it. And when we look at his life, like I want to look at someone like Job, someone who's been through it, someone who can say, hey, I know what it is to go through that kind of thing. I know what it is to be shaken. And I ask the question, what can we learn from this guy? And I think the first thing that we can all learn is this, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter how much it seems out of control, no matter how much it seems to go against our theology of what God would allow, we must come back to the fact that God is still on the throne. We might be on the floor. We, we might be in a fetal position on a couch somewhere. But whatever we're going through, God is still in control. Job 1 verse 20 says this, at this, when he got the news of what had just happened, Job got up, tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. His first response was worship. And then it says this, this is what Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be Praised. Yeah. He didn't get angry. He didn't get bitter. He didn't fall into self-pity. He didn't start asking a million questions. He just said, hey, whatever's going on, this is horrible. This is painful. This does seem like it's totally out of control. But he said, but this one thing I know, God is still on the throne yeah. and God is still worthy of my worship. And I don't know what's going on, but I know my God and I'm going to keep on worshipping him. I love it. You know, so often when we go through trauma and things are shaken, we start asking all these questions. We're looking so often for someone to blame. We find lots of people to blame. Sometimes we blame ourselves. We look at ourselves and think, well, what was I thinking that I could just live a blessed life? I must have done something wrong. Maybe there's some secret sin in my life. <laughs> Maybe I just haven't got enough faith to be able to sustain. Now, obviously, there's something wrong with me. And I'll tell you, the devil will be quick to get in on that. Yeah. Don't you listen to the lies of the devil and don't you listen to your own self-doubt. We love to blame ourselves. We love to blame other people. We look around and say, well, if they hadn't done this, if she hadn't done that, if that, that person hadn't done that, if the government hadn't done this, I'd still have my job. We like to find someone to blame. We blame God. Sometimes our, our response can be, well, God must be, must be punishing me. I must have done something wrong, so now God is angry and God is punishing me. Or sometimes we think, well, God's forgotten me. God's let me down. He's just turned away. He's forsaken me. Sometimes we blame the devil. We say, well, I was trusting God, but obviously the devil's big. The devil's bigger and more powerful than what I thought he was. And we, we start to blame. But listen, we've got to understand nothing happens in our life that God has not already allowed yeah. and what he cannot turn around for good. Wow. That is such a revelation. Nothing gets through God's sovereignty. 
It's mind-boggling to me that Job, Job was in a situation where the devil had asked permission. And the Bible says the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself, don't lay a finger. God, God let it happen. I can remember with our fire, we just told you the story about the fire. One of the, one of the first things I had to grapple with was the fact that, wait a minute, I understand the sovereignty of God, which meant that God, you watched it happen. <laughs> you could have sent angels and you could have stopped it. I mean, you gave us the house. Why didn't you stop it? You're sovereign. You watched it burn. You allowed it to happen. And at first that was confusing and overwhelming. But then I realized, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If God allowed it to happen and God is sovereign and God is good, that means two things. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And God is going to use this. And God is trusting us to trust him. Right. to go through the situation that we would never have chosen to go through on our own. You see, the truth is Romans 8.28 is not just a cute little verse. It's not just one that we teach our kids in Sunday school. It's real. Oh, it's so, so powerful. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. We need to underline that in all things. Yeah. You say to me, wait a minute, you're saying that in my sickness, God is working together for good? Yeah. You're saying that in, in my breakdown of a relationship, God's working together, that can be worked together for good? Yes. Are you saying that in my business collapsing, God is still working together all things for good? Yes. The reality is no matter what's happening, God is still in complete control and he's with you. He's with us to help us go through, learn what we need to learn so that he gets all the glory and our faith comes out stronger and shining brighter than ever before. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation. Have you ever been tempted to give up? Have you ever been tempted just to give in to discouragement, to confusion, to anger, to bitterness, to not have another go? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Can I say to you, every time we are facing a test, every time we're facing a circumstance where the world is being shaken, we've got to understand that test, that trial has been pressure tested by God. You know, sometime soon we'll be allowed to have barbecues again. <laughs> and if you've got an outdoor barbecue, there's probably a gas bottle. And you know, on every gas bottle, there is a stamp with a date on it. And that tells you that that gas bottle has been pressure tested and it's safe to a certain level of pressure. And after a certain number of years, you've got to have it tested again. Well, I'm telling you, God works on that same principle. He won't allow anything to come into your life that he hasn't already signed off and said, yep, you can do that, that you can go through that. And we might boggle at that and we might think, no, I can't. But I want to tell you, the grace of God enables us to go through things we would never choose to go through so that he can show us his glory and his grace. You see, here's the second big lesson, and that is this, that we never, ever have to go through those shaking times on our own. Mm, See, the wonderful thing is this, whenever you think you're out of your depth, 
That's when grace really kicks in. That's what salvation is all about. Salvation is like a, a drowning man or a drowning woman saying, I can't save myself. And what do we do? We reach out to a God who says, I loved you so much. I sent my only son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The whole gospel message is being vulnerable and real enough to be able to say, I can't do this. Reaching up our hand and God saying, I've got you. I've got you. You know, Sally intimated part of our story. My, my philosophy up until the fire was, well, I am a man of God. Therefore, whatever comes my way, I will suck it up and I'll believe God and I'll keep on going. I'm a man of God. And, you know, for three days after the fire, that's basically what I did. I went into that mode of I've got to defend my family, find this, find that, find this, blah, blah, blah. And three days later, as Sally said, I found myself weeping, just crying in the underwear department of the supermarket, thinking, how did I get here? And I realised at that time I'd just been running on adrenaline. I thought it was faith, but it was actually adrenaline. There was faith in there, of course. But what I had realised was I came to a point where I said, God, I actually can't do this on my own. This is too big for me to suck up. And realising that we have to understand that when we go through things that really shake us, we've got to understand there's a big difference between relying on our own strength and resting in his strength. And we've got to understand there's a big difference between listening and being driven by our own emotions and by the circumstances around us versus learning to stand on the convictions that we hold and on what the Word of God tells us. You see, our emotions may scream at us and tell us everything's out of control. Our emotions might say, I can't feel God, I can't hear God. And there'll be times it will feel like that. But that's not what the Word of God says. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is an ever-present help. Moses speaking to the Israelites so about to go into the promised land, said this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I encourage you? If you're going through tough times, just do a word study through the word of God and find out how many times God makes that declaration, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I want to tell you, it'll put faith into your spirit because it's there again and again and again. And then a few chapters down the line, Moses makes this declaration. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. You know, God is never, ever going to let you go. You may not feel him. You may not sense him. But I'm telling you, no matter what you go through, he is never going to let you go. His arms will be there. I used to take all of my kids when they were young to swimming lessons. I remember one of the times we had to get in, with the, in the water with them and teach them how to float. 
Virtually the same story with each of the young children. You get them there and you tell them to lie on their back and you put your arms underneath the little child and you, you teach them to float. So put your head back, stretch your, stretch your arms out and usually they'd start just panicking and they'd be kicking their legs around and they'd be gasping and thrashing around because they thought they were going to sink but so many times I'd have to lean over and say, it's okay, I've got you, I've got you, I've got my arms, I'm there to catch you, you're not going to go under. I'm telling you this morning, God wants you to hear this word. There's someone going through some stuff right now. You just need to hear God's not going to let you go. God's got you. No matter what you're going through, underneath of the everlasting arms, God is good. But hey, we don't only just need God's grace when we go through a shaking. We've got to understand the power of the local church. See, we touched on this as well. When, when we lost our home, we were overwhelmed with the love and the support that we got through the fellowship of the local church. They rose up in so many ways, in so many practical ways. They prayed for us. We were overwhelmed. And it, it again brought us back to the point where we realised, you know, the local church is not just some little self-help group. It's not just some kind of community zone where we find friends. No, there is power in the community of the local church. Yeah. Romans 12 verse 9 and a few verses on says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony one with another. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, hey, no matter what you go through, remember you are part of a family. Yes. And when you're part of a family, the family sticks together. Yes. If you're rejoicing, the family's rejoicing with you. If you're weeping, the family is weeping with you. And what the church did for us was they wept with us. They not only wept with us, but they stood with us as well. Can I say, if you're going through the crisis, your world is being shaken, do never, never, never isolate yourself. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. We were vulnerable with our church. We were vulnerable with our family. We were vulnerable with so many people saying, hey, we need your help right now. And because we were vulnerable, the amount of love and support that flooded through the church was unbelievable. But can I tell you, that was in our crisis. Can I say, in this crisis that we all face at the moment, COVID, Let's make sure that there's absolutely nothing that would bring disunity into yeah. our family. Yeah, very good. One thing I love about Life Church, man, oh man, oh man, you know how to love one another. You know how to stand together. And look, right now there are so many different opinions and, and so many different things going on. But friends, can I say, hey, it's okay to have a different opinion on some different things, but let's never forget we are family. Yeah. And when pressures are on, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you're right, whether you're wrong, whether you've got it or you haven't got it. Friend, we just stick together because we are family. Tell you, never isolate yourself when you're going through it. We have a rock, we have a faith, we have a God, and we have a family that can support us 
when we can't support ourselves. You know, as I close this morning, let me just read to you Psalm 27, verse 1, and a few verses on from there. You see, the truth is, no matter what circumstance you find ourselves in, in time, as we learn to trust God, we will come out the other side. You know, for Sal and I, we come out now, seven years ago, what we thought was a catastrophic event. We have been so blessed. We have changed. We've had a revelation of God that we could never have had before. We've had the blessing of God flow back into our lives in ways that we just can't do anything but thank God for. Job, if you know the story of Job, the Bible says that after he prayed for his friends, the Bible says that he restored, he was restored. He saw twice as much blessing as he had before all the troubles that came. And we could look at so many different biblical characters and say again and again, God restored. God is a God of the restoration. But we've got to understand it's not an instant restoration. There's a process. And there are many things that we can't control in the process. We can't control how long it's going to take. We can't control how much pain it's going to involve. We can't control what other people are going to do or not do. So many things we can't control, but there is one thing that we must control and that we can control. And that's, as Sally shared earlier on, a decision deep within our spirit to simply say through it all, God, I'm trusting you. Let me read to you these verses. Psalm 27, verse 1 and on. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And then verse 10 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Friends, I can't think of a better word to leave you with this morning. If you're going through it right now, know that God is good. Know that he's on the throne. Know that he is with you. He's placed you within his family and know that he will bring you through whatever he's allowing you to experience right now. You can trust him. Friends, if you're smiling at the moment and it's all going well, then I trust that this word becomes an investment for your life, that when the pressure does come, you'll be able to say, no, 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 no. I'm confident I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.